the Buddha described uh, the effort that we make in practicing the Dharma as the effort that goes into abandoning the unskillful and cultivating the skillful. So it's a good way to think about what we put effort into, how we make effort in our practice. It's really a good way to think about the practice, Dharma practice. It's a practice of abandoning and cultivating. Uh, abandoning what's unskillful, unskillful states, unskillful qualities, unskillful actions, cultivating what's skillful, skillful states, skillful qualities, skillful actions. We talk a lot and I talk a lot about the fact that we talk a lot about uh, abandoning. Uh, when, we, uh, when we talk about our practice, we talk about uh, what's unskillful in terms of uh, you know, the different emotions and the mind states that we hold on to or the different actions that we take that might be informed by unskillful intentions. We talk a lot about uh, abandoning unskillful, what's unskillful, and as we should. As we should, because it's it's very it's, you know this is this is crucial to our practice. We have to learn to uh, see what's unskillful, uh, and 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 learn to have a, a relationship to it. You know, when we abandon something, it's not really like getting rid of it. Uh, it's just abandoning it, not engaging. So we talk about this a lot in terms of different emotions. Uh, over the last few years, I've used that acronym ABC. Uh, you know, if you are afflicted with a certain emotion, if it's anxiety or worry or fear or disappointment, fill in the blank, uh, bring awareness to it. Bring a simple awareness to it, very simple, A, B, C. A simple awareness, fill it in the body for a few seconds and then back to the breath, have compassion. Uh, so it's a good practice, uh, particularly when you're off the cushion, which we are most of the time in our lives, uh, a, B, C, bring awareness to what's arising for you, bring awareness to those emotions, those mind states that you may be afflicted with, that you may be clinging to. Uh, and again, I, 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 so that's a practice uh, uh, that's useful in part because of its simplicity, for when we're, uh, when we're outside of the meditation, uh, which of course is most of our time, uh, we want to be aware of what's arising for us. Now, we in particular, uh, when we're in the world, our emphasis in terms of the effort that we make as Dharma students goes to looking and seeing what's arising is there anything arising like a certain emotion uh, or a certain action in which I may be uh, inclined to act unskillfully? Uh, our tendency when we're outside of the meditation uh, is not so much, I don't think, to put effort into cultivating skillful states. So I really want to focus on that today. Uh, that. Uh, you know, we need to learn to develop this skill uh, to cultivate skillful states when we're in all of our postures, all of our activities, uh, to be proactive in that effort, to be proactive in that effort. Uh, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and we make this effort uh, because this is the path that's going to lead us to true happiness. 
So, you know, we're proactive in that effort in terms of cultivating skillful states. We're purposeful. There's a reason why we're doing this. So, uh, so this is something for us to kind of really think about. It's kind of like, oh, another thing that the teacher's asking us to do. Not only do I have to learn to abandon unskillful states, now I have to cultivate skillful states. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about this, but one of the reasons why, of course, that's so important is that, you know, if we're just working to abandon unskillful states, they need to be replaced with something else. Otherwise, we'll just go back into unskillful states. So unskillful states need to be replaced with skillful states. Uh, but skillful states put us in position uh, in and of themselves, they're beneficial, but they put us in position uh, to know a greater happiness and to awaken. So our primary, our, our main, it's not our only, but, but, the, but, the act, but the effort that we make that goes into cultivating skillful states, the lion's share, of that effort goes into cultivating states of concentration, right? So in the meditation, we just spent a half an hour cultivating concentration, specifically the Buddha's kind of concentration, which is known as jhana, which includes ease and pleasurable pleasure, having a pleasurable abiding. The last three or four minutes we put into cultivating metta, which is another skillful state, right? But are the lion's share of effort we put in the meditation into cultivating a pleasurable abiding state of concentration known as jhana. Uh, we want to learn to be able to cultivate and maintain those states or that state of concentration as we go throughout the course of our days. Uh, you know, and, and we do talk about this, you know, and I often talk about natural meditation uh, I think when we think about natural meditation, we tend to think about it as staying with the breath or trying to stay with the breath or touching into the breath now and then as we go throughout the course of the day. Like right now, as you're listening to me, you could be, you could be uh, touching into the breath even in the last five minutes, even if you just felt the breath once or twice or three times. It helps keep you centered in the moment, in the body, close to the heart. Uh, being able to be mindful of the breath as you go through your days and nights uh, is, is, of course, extremely, extremely beneficial. Uh, we also, however, want to be able to uh, cultivate those uh, jhana qualities, if you will, as we go through our days. So uh, as we go through our days, uh, being proactive, making an effort to cultivate uh, states of ease and pleasure, to cultivate, to maintain a pleasurable abiding, a pleasurable abiding. So, uh, you know, the process is, is similar to what we're doing in the meditation, right? Uh, you know, in order to cultivate a skillful state uh, of, it's a jhana state or a state that includes jhana qualities, jhana qualities as we go throughout the course of our day. Uh, the movements are similar to what we're doing in the meditation. Uh, we use the breath to anchor ourselves in the body. How do we stay with the breath? You use directed thought. So even right now, you can say to yourself, uh, can I feel the breath? You know, usually outside of the meditation, you want to try to feel the breath somewhere lower in the body, maybe in the abdomen area in the belly, 
if you're trying to feel the breath here at the nostril as you're listening to me, that's a little tricky because there's also the ears involved, your eyes are open, you're looking at the screen. Uh, there's a lot going on here, so you know, just putting your mind on the breath, even again if you're just feeling a few breaths, but the only way the mind gets to the breath is if you tell it to go to the breath. So as you're going through the day, you direct your attention every now and again to the breath, like right now you can do that. And then as you're going through the day, as you're with the breath, you know, you can call up an easeful breath. Now this is going to be a little bit different than in the meditation. In the meditation it's like, what does the breath feel like? Is there ease or there's dis-ease? Outside of the meditation there isn't enough concentration or space to do that. Uh, and what the Buddha, uh, the, the instruction is to call up that easeful breath. So that's really f dependent on the way, the ability that you've developed to do that in a meditation. You can call up an easeful breath. What does an easeful breath feel like? I felt that in the sitting meditation. Can I feel an easeful breath right now? So right now, can you call up that easeful breath, even as you're listening to me? I don't even have to stop talking, do I? You can still feel that easeful breath. You can call up that easeful breath. And then, uh, once, when we have awareness of the breath, which brings us into the body, we can also you know, bring our awareness into the full body. And we can't do this at all the time during the course of the day, but there's spots, there's times when we can cultivate these, uh, these skillful states, these highly beneficial states as we go through the course of our day. And we want to be proactive in doing that. So even right now, you can say, well, let me be mindful of the whole body. Even as I'm listening to the teacher, I can be mindful of the whole body. And then can I call up? You know, you're not going to scan. Just could you wait a minute on the Dharma talk? I need to scan the arms and the legs. Now, can I just call up that easeful abiding in the body? Can I bring it up? And again, your ability to call it up is going to depend on how much you've worked with that in the sitting. But even right now, you can call up that easeful abiding, or you can practice. It's practice. Practice, practice, practice. The way you learn to do this is only one way. Practice, practice, practice. So I'm giving you a little tutorial here and an opportunity to practice now, but it's what you have to learn to do as you go throughout the course of your day. Let me call up uh, that full body awareness and that easeful abiding in the body. Can I, can I abide? Can I have a pleasurable abiding? Can I maintain a pleasurable abiding? Can I maintain a pleasurable abiding? So uh, this is something that we can do. You know, this is something we can do. Uh, it requires a resolve to do it. Uh, it. Requires making an effort. Again, this is where effort goes in into the practice. You know, abandoning the unskillful, cultivating the skillful. So, uh, if you work in your sitting meditation to cultivate these skillful states, pleasurable states, uh, you can cultivate them, maintain them throughout the course of your day. The Buddha said, abandon what is unskillful, monks. It is possible to abandon what is unskillful. If it were not possible to abandon what is unskillful, I would not say to you, abandon what is unskillful. Uh, I won't go through the whole of that. Then he says, develop what is skillful. Right? We're talking about developing what is skillful. It is possible to develop what is skillful. If it were not possible to develop what is skillful, I would not say to you, develop what is skillful. So I, I follow the Buddha's lead. I would not say to you, 
develop what is skillful. But because it is possible to develop what is skillful, I say to you, develop what is skillful. If this development, I love what he says here, if this development of what is skillful were conducive to harm and pain, I would not say to you, develop what is skillful. But because this development of what is skillful is conducive to benefit and pleasure, I say to you, develop what is skillful. So, so you know, this is something we can do. This is something we can do. Uh, and there's great benefits in doing this, right? So it's a matter of, you know, practicing. You know, practicing as you go throughout your course of your day. It's not like you have to take time out to, oh, excuse me, I, I need 15 minutes now to cultivate a pleasurable abiding. You know, I mean, this, this, this really speaks to the heart of a lot of what I've been talking about uh, lately and what I've talked about for years, is practice should not be compartmentalized. I mean, sitting meditation is sort of a compartment, but, uh, you know, as we go through our day, what I don't encourage is, oh, let me take five minutes here, let me take 10 minutes here to close my eyes and meditate. No, bring these qualities into your activities. That's the Buddha's instruction. The sitting meditation is, is a training to develop those qualities, but then as he says, you develop these qualities, you maintain these qualities in all postures, in all activities, as you're listening to the Dharma talk, as you're doing whatever you're doing during the course of the day, you're practicing developing these skillful states, these skillful states. The benefits are profound. The benefits are profound. Uh, I mean, one of the most important benefits is you have something to replace, and if we think about even just pleasure, the pleasurable abiding that we're developing in the meditation uh, replaces the pleasurable abiding that we look for in external sense experience, right? The Buddha said he himself couldn't avoid uh, the temptation of external self sense experience or even thinking about it, uh, if it's the media, if it's the phone, if it's the computer, if it's what's in the fridge, if it's whatever it is, until he could replace it with something that's skillful. So your capacity to be able to let go of a preoccupation with external sense experience is inherently dependent on your ability to replace it with a skillful pleasure. Right? I wrote a whole book on that, right? So, uh, so this is extremely important. This is extremely important. Uh, you know, we talked, we talked yesterday uh, at length about you know, living a meaningful life, and you know, one of the ways the Buddha said that we pursue meaningless pursuits in life is through the pursuit of external sense pleasure. You know, we want to have a meaningful life. Uh, we need to uh, we need to be able to stay true to the heart. You know, which means we need to stay in the body. You know, and this uh, pleasurable abiding allows us to stay true to the heart, to stay in the body. Uh, and to and to put aside worldly uh, sense pleasures, the pleasures of the world, as I call them in my book, uh, we're able to put aside those things and focus on what's really important: the heart and the actions that issue from the heart's true release. So this pleasurable abiding that we maintain during the course of the day, just in and of itself is beneficial. We're able to be at ease in the world. 
we're able to be at ease in the world. When we have this quality of ease and internal pleasure, we're in what I call in my book, the most favorable state. It's the state at which we're most effective. If my body is in a state of ease and I have a pleasurable abiding, I'm able much more effectively uh, to give the Dharma talk. Uh, when your body is in a state of ease and pleasure, you're in a, in, in, in a state in which you're much more capable of, of functioning at a high level in your life, if it's in your relationships, if it's in your work and your creativity. You know, they, they speak about this when they talk about a flow state, right? You know, one of the characteristics of a flow state is that the body is in a state of ease and pleasure. You know? And I always say, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the idea of a flow state is useful, uh, but the way that uh, people that teach about flow states, it's more of a psychological uh, uh, modality, is do things that put you into a flow state. If gardening gets you into a flow state, garden a lot. You know, if cooking puts you in a flow state, cook. The Buddha doesn't say that. What he says is, and this speaks to the whole idea of compartmentalization, what the Buddha says is develop that flow state and then let that inform all of your actions. You see the difference there? You know, we were always in that flow state. So, you know, it's like, I really want to be in a flow state today. I better get in the garden. You know, you can't always be in the garden. You can't always be in the garden. I think that's going to be the title of my next book. You can't always be cooking, you know? Uh, you know, but you can always be in a flow state if you learn to cultivate these states as you go through the course of your day. You're in the most favorable state when you have this pleasurable abiding. When you have this easeful and pleasurable abiding, then when you do meet challenges, you're in a position to meet those challenges most skillfully. You don't get thrown by the difficulties of life when you have a quality of internal ease and pleasure. If the body is in a state that's compromised and you may have difficult experience, it's going to be very difficult to meet difficult experience in a skillful way. Right? We sort of know that, right? Uh, you know, did you, you know, the body doesn't feel good. It's tight. It's tense. You know, and then something happens, and it's like you're, you know, you're just like a live wire, a frayed wire. When you have a quality of ease and well-being, when you have a pleasurable abiding, difficult things happen. They don't have the same effect. You know, the Buddha spoke to that when he talked about the metaphor of the salt crystal. You know, he said it's like if you have a cup like this filled with water, you take a big piece of salt and you put it in the water. You drink the water; it's going to be very salty. You know that's how that's how it is when our body is is tight and tense. When we have an easeful abiding, he said it's like throwing that salt crystal into the river. Can't taste the salt. You know these things that are difficult in life don't have the same effect on us when we have this pleasurable abiding. Ultimately, when we have this pleasurable abiding, we're able to stay in the body. We want to stay in the body. I mean, this is one of the beautiful things that happens. You know is that we tend to go out, 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 out. The Buddha called those the effluence, the fermentations. Our awareness is always going out to things outside of ourselves. If it's what's on the phone, if it's what's on the TV, if it's this, that, or the other thing. Gradually, as you develop this internal abiding, you cult pleasurable abiding, you are able to maintain these states. You put an effort into cultivating skillful states during the course of the day, your awareness inclines in, because it feels good. And I don't want to go into all that other stuff, because that's agitating. 
You know, so I'm just going to cultivate this easeful abiding, and the mind gradually uh, wants to stay in. And the more you stay in, 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 because it's pleasurable, the more you stay in the body, the closer you are to the heart. You know? So you're in touch with your innate wisdom, you're in touch with the qualities of the heart uh, to a greater extent if you maintain this easeful and pleasurable abiding. You, know? you don't even have to worry so much about what do I need to do to develop wisdom? You know? uh, and how do, I, how do I understand the Four Noble Truths? If you stay in the body, that'll happen. You know, that's why Tanisa says, do concentration. You know? You know, if you're really in the body, you know, you'll be connected to the heart. Your innate wisdom will take over. You know, that's in, in many of the Buddhists say, if you develop these qualities, this pleasurable abiding insight will happen like that. You don't even have to work so much at it. You know? so, so this is one of the, you know, the, this is the primary skillful state that we're seeking to cultivate as we go throughout the course of the day. So even right now, can I come into an easeful abiding, right? Can I call up this easeful abiding? So as you go throughout your day, it's not like you're going to be able to maintain it all day long. I mean, there's some sense of that, right? There's some sense of that. Uh, you know, the more you do it, the more, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're wearing a coat, you know, the, the jhana quality cloak, that coat, that pleasurable coat or that cloak. But what we want to learn to do is we pick times during the day at different times we cultivate that easeful abiding. We cultivate that easeful abiding. It's practice. The more you practice, then it just starts to become something that you just begin to do uh, out, of, out of habit, right? It's a good habit. So, uh, you know, we feed, as the, as the teachings say, we feed on these qualities of ease and pleasure during the day instead of feeding on external pleasures. I'll just mention some of the other skillful states. So the concentration states are sort of the baseline states. Uh, we can also cultivate, as we go throughout the day, uh, the sublime attitudes. Generally, as we go through the day, you know, we're, we're touching into those states. So loving kindness, uh, we, we learn, we learn, we practice, we put an effort into touching into states of loving kindness. So. Uh, even right now, you know, and how do you do that fabrication? So right now you could say to yourself, well, let me be here and listen to the Dharma talk with loving kindness. Let me be here with these other beings with loving kindness. So you use fabrication, let it drop down into the body and into the heart. Can I be here in this moment with metta? Or can I have metta for all these beings who are here? right now. Now when there's difficulty and challenge, we can touch into compassion, right? During the course of the day, you're having a hard time, you know, touching into compassion, cultivating a still skillful state of compassion. Uh, I'm struggling, let me have compassion for myself. Let me, uh, there's suffering here. I recognize that, can I, be connected to my wish to be free from suffering. I have a wish to be free from suffering. Can I touch into, let that drop down into the body? Can I feel compassion for myself right now? 
as we go throughout the course of our day. And then, very importantly, appreciation. You know, appreciation, we talked a lot about this yesterday, uh, the quality of appreciative joy or joy uh, is, is a quality that we want to, again, touching in. I like the idea of touching in as we go through the course of the day. But, you know, as you go through the course of the day, various times you touch into these states of loving kindness. When there's suffering, you touch into compassion. Uh, and we touch into appreciation uh, in, you know, when we, when, we are, uh, when we are aware of the goodness in ourselves and in the world. But we can also just reflect on our goodness, you know, and the goodness around us, right? So... Uh, you know, so as we go through the day, you just touch in. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm here at the Dharma class today. This is an expression of my goodness. You know, where you touch into the goodness of others. Uh, what a blessing it is to be with these others and practice the Dharma together. You know, or most simply, you know, as you go through the day, you touch into a recognition of the goodness of life, the preciousness of life. What a blessing it is to have this day of life. So you, you, know, you, you touch in to these states, you cultivate these states, brightening the mind as you go through the course of your day. So even right now we can do, do just very much in the spirit of what I just said, you know, touching into our gratitude and our appreciation for being here. You, know, you don't have to do that just in the meditation. You, know? you can just touch in very simply. What a blessing it is to be here with these other 20 beings. 19, I guess, if you count yourself as one. Cultivating that state of appreciation. The last state that I'll mention that we look to cultivate during the course of the day really sort of comes out of being in a state of concentration, which is uh, touching into moments of non-clinging, which is really very important. Uh, uh, you know, this essentially is the third noble truth. You know, there's moments during the day, uh, they tend to be moments, moments uh, uh, of non-clinging. Uh, so we, we cultivate those states by bringing awareness to them. We realize cessation. So this is something we talked a lot about on our eight-day retreat in April, uh, particularly as we got into the retreat, you know, go for a walk and notice those moments, cultivate those mom moments of of uh, non-clinging, you know, it's sort of like, you know, those moments of non-clinging uh, are, are, you know, they're often small moments, you know, they're finger snap moments, and you have to be very sensitive to them. But if you look too hard, you know, you try to get a moment of non-clinging this afternoon, you're already in a moment of clinging, wanting the non-clinging, right? So, so, you know, we just learn to be very sensitive. We will learn to be very sensitive to when those not moments of non-clinging arise and we cultivate them by bringing our awareness to them. The Buddha, in his teaching to the, the Venerable, Venerable Bahia, and most of you know this passage from the Udana Sutta, described this quality. One way to think about uh, how, we, uh, how we experience this quality of non-clinging, he said, in reference to the scene, he said, thus by here you should train yourself for thus. So it's a training, right? You know, we're cultivating. You know, this everything we're talking about today is mental training. Here we're, we're, we're training ourselves to notice what it's like when we're not clinging. 
Thus, Bahia, you should train yourself thus. In reference to the seen, there will be only the seen. In reference to the heard, only the heard. In reference to the sensed, only the sense. In reference to the cognized, only the cognized. That is how you should train yourself. When for you, there will be only the seen in reference to the seen, only the heard in reference to the heard, only the sensed in reference to the sensed, only the cognized in reference to the cognized, then Bahia, there is no you in connection with that. When there is no you in connection with that, there is no you there. When there is no you there, you are neither here nor yonder nor between the two. This, just this, is the end of stress, the end of suffering, the end of clinging. So it's those moments when there's just hearing, just tasting, just smelling, just cognizing. Sometimes we talk about those as just moments of pure awareness. There's just awareness. It's like even right now, there's the screen and the beings on the screen, these beautiful beings on the screen, and then there's awareness, just awareness, just seeing. And then you can drop in, and then there's just connecting in just to that quality of awareness, pure awareness, stillness. right there. So we learn to cultivate those moments. Those are the transcendent moments that we learn to cultivate. So, uh, so a couple of things, you know, about, uh, about this talk. Well, just to kind of, uh, as an overview, and then I'll end and we can talk a little bit about it. Uh, the primary state that we try to cultivate in terms of skillful states is is the pleasurable abiding in the body, right? As a, as a skillful state, we want to try to cultivate a pleasurable abiding in the body, or at least an abiding in the body as we go throughout our day. From there, we're in a position where we can cultivate those states of uh, loving kindness, compassion, and appreciation. And there may be those moments as we go through the day, you know, there often aren't any day a few finger snap moments. Those finger snap moments are timeless moments, so they're actually, you know, in the scheme of Dhamma, much bigger than uh, we can understand them using our usual set of weights and measurements. Uh, but that pleasurable abiding that we're cultivating is sort of our, our main state, and then we try to cultivate these other states. We have to be proactive in this effort, right? We have to be proactive in this effort. Uh, and that's really, in many ways, the point that I want to make, there's two points that I want to make. You have to be proactive. You have to work at this. You have to practice at this. Uh, and the second point really kind of ties into that. I think that we, one of the reasons why we don't do this is that we don't think that we can. You know, so go back to the Buddhists, what the Buddha said. You can do this, and it's for your benefit to do it. You know? Everybody here can do this to a certain extent, and your capacity to do it will develop over time, but through practice. Through practice. Obviously, you have to sit if you want to be able to cultivate jhana in sitting, if you want to be able to maintain and cultivate those states during the day. But if as long as you're sitting, uh, to some extent, you're going to be able to cultivate these states during the course of the day. This is something you can do. So uh, I think you know that's the other very important point I want to make is you know, and it's an encouragement to do it. And you know, you'll start to see as you can do it, it's like it's just what he, the Buddha says in that teaching. Oh, I can do this. You know what? It's pleasurable. It's to my benefit. You know, once you start to see that, then you start to make a greater effort to do it. 